Alright, so welcome to the first ever episode of our new podcast series, The Art of Success. After we've done over 120 episodes about how to create a great network, we at that podcast want to make you the next success story. So by doing that, I want to first introduce you to our first guest, Eric Bergman, the founder of Great.com, which by the way is a great initiative. The person who wants to make more smiles and also a brilliant marketer. So, Eric, I don't want to spoil my listeners too much. So, why don't we hear from your perspective? Who are you? What is your story? So, who am I? The big question. I like Simon Sinek, this American guy's perspective on who you are. And he says that if you go back to your childhood and ask yourselves, what did you enjoy doing when you were a kid? That says a lot about who you are today. And what I loved to do as a kid was playing with Legos, building sandcastles, building tree houses, and just building things. And I can see how that's still very much of who I am today. I love building things. I love personal development and building my own skills. I love relationships and building deeper connections with people. And I love building companies and I've built a lot of various projects. I'm a person who builds things. Interesting. So as far as I know from you, you're Swedish, I believe, from yes. Sweden. Great. And so Lego is really a Danish company, I believe. So how yeah. did you actually, you know, get passionate about building this stuff from Lego? Because I all, all I know for Lego is that it's really bad when you actually step on it. That's just it. I don't know anything else. So explain us, how do you think think you got that passion for building? Was it something that you were born with or something you've developed with the years as a kid and teen? I think this is something I was actually born with. I just, so I I started doing this at a very small age. Whatever it was that I was doing, I was putting things on top of each other. If that was... Legos or just wooden pieces or whatever. I I have lots of pictures of myself as a kid just building things. I think that that's something. It's probably to begin with something I was born with. And just because I have the opportunity of keep doing it in various ways and my parents liked me building things, it grew into more than it would have been otherwise. And I think some people are madly in love with the football and just running after ball and kicking it and that's probably the kid who loved doing that when he was four years old as well so when i was building sandcastles um zlatan ibrahimovic was running after a ball trying to score and both of them were we were born with both of it but i just kept doing my passion and he kept doing his passion oh man uh, by the way you kind of look like ibrahimovic with that beard on and you know the look <laughs> you know, you have these similarities, by the way, I like that you mentioned he's a really great, you know, I would say footballer, although some Americans would disagree, more like soccer player, but he's a great <laughs> footballer, you know. I yeah, mean, he's, sure. he scored a lot against my favorite team, but, you know, I still got respect for that guy. You forgive him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. Let's move on to how did you transition from building Legos and tree houses to actually building companies? Because... Why didn't you become, let's say, an engineer or an you know architect, you know, to build and draw stuff? Why exactly companies? I think I always just followed my my feeling. What did I want to do? So I've, I got the question quite a few times. 
okay, Eric, when did you decide to be an entrepreneur? What made you decide to be an entrepreneur? And I don't think I've ever made that decision. It wasn't a conscious decision. It was just, I started doing the things that I wanted to do. I started playing around with them and it just happened to be building things. And at a certain age, I was probably 18 or something, then building things became business ideas. And it says, hey, I wonder if we could rent a nightclub and we could get a DJ and we can charge people 10 euros to come and we can make money from it. And it turns out, no, we couldn't. I failed miserably. It was a horrible night and I lost a lot of money. But that was one of the first real business ideas. Like I wanted to be a party planner. And it was just an idea. Can I rent a nightclub? Can I get a DJ? Can I get people to come? It wasn't necessarily a big business or anything else. It was just that idea. I didn't decide then and there, I'm going to do this as a business. It was just this sounds like a fun thing to do. And it, that's how it was with pretty much everything that I did. And then suddenly I had a company with hundreds of employees and I never took a decision to become an entrepreneur. It just happened. Oh, but so you mentioned fun thing to do, but was that about the fun or you wanted to actually, you know, earn a real steady income? What was it like at the beginning? Money has obviously always been an objective. I wanted to be rich. I wanted to be successful. And those were parts of my motives, especially when I was working really hard and long nights. And I wanted to reach that that security and that freedom that comes with money. But I don't think that I would have reached it if I didn't really enjoy what I was doing. If I would have hated my job, even though it paid well, I would not have been able to to get as good at it as I was. Because now, whenever I wasn't in the office, I was still thinking about work. I was dreaming about work. Whenever I had a lunch with someone, I was talking about work, not because I made money from it, but because I loved it. And I don't think that that would have happened if I didn't have the passion. So sure, money, important part of it, um, but it wouldn't have been enough. So you can say that when you want to start a business, whatever it is, you got to be passionate about it, you know, really love it. Yeah, I think that's the, it's, it's much more important to be passionate than to make money early on, at least. I mean, you can go back to Slatan, the football player, that if, if he didn't, if he started playing football to be rich and not loving it when he was a kid, he would never have become a professional football player because he wasn't in it for the right reasons. If he loved it, he will stay up late. He will do it for passion. He will do it at every break in school all summer long because he loves it. And then he suddenly made money from it, but that was just a bonus. I don't think 11-year-old Slatan was thinking he was going to make money from it. And I think it's the same thing with business then that if you're not loving what you're doing, if you wouldn't enjoy doing podcasts, you wouldn't have done 130 episodes because you, you enjoy this and it's a passion of yours, I'm sure. And I think that's so key to keep that in mind, not just going after where can I make money? Should I do drop shipping? Should I do this? Because that's, I heard, where people make money. It's like, do you enjoy it? Do you want to do it? Would you do it if you wouldn't earn money from it? And if the answers to those questions are yes, then you're on the right track. Then you just need to figure out how to make money from it. That's interesting to say because, you know, a lot of people, you know, a couple of my friends, uh, you know, people I've met over the 
years, I mean, the, uh, over the year, I mean, the capital, almost a year. Uh, you know, they all said that they have a hard time finding what they really enjoy because they have a lot of things to enjoy. So how do you think we can pick the right one? Not the right one, but the one we would do always, every day. Yes, I think... Uh, I think the key... I think most people struggle to find what they're actually passionate about and what they really enjoy doing. I think it's very common to like, yeah, I kind of like my job, I kind of like my school, I kind of like this, but not really show sure what you enjoy doing. So I think the first step is to to try a lot of things. That if you wanted to find your favorite ice cream, then the only way of doing that is to test all the ice creams to know which one do I like the best. And I think it's the same with life, that if you want to know what kind of passion project you should have, then you have to try doing a podcast to know if you enjoy it. You maybe want to try playing around in Photoshop to see, is this something that I enjoy? Am I good at this? Or you start doing an Instagram account about, I don't know, cars because you really like Ferraris. And you need to try that to see if that's your thing. And then I believe if... If you're in such a lucky position that you love doing a lot of things, then I would keep doing a lot of things for as long as possible. And then I'll start finding what angle, what what do I actually believe is the long-term project here? Where could I make money? But if you if you love two things equally, then sure, make the ones that is most likely to make you money. But if you like if you don't like two things equally, pick the one you like the most. But what if these things are really like, at first hand, not really, uh, you know, income-wise? Like, you don't, they don't seem to actually make you money by any way. Like, you know, I can always say, okay, let me pick some. I mean, I can always, like, uh, you know, have a hobby, not really a passion. My, I want to turn into business. But if that hobby is really, like, something that is new, something that isn't really, like, doesn't sound like you can make income from it, should you still pursue it? Like, let's say you're a poet. You like making poems. I know it's kind of renaissance thing and we're in the 21st century, but really great way, a great way for creativity. So if you want to make poems, but you want to earn income from it, should you pursue it? Because I don't think there are poets who actually get paid for their poems. You see what I, where I'm going? Yeah. So I think that if it cannot be a revenue driver, then ask yourself, what is it that I that I love with writing poems? Maybe you, you just love writing. At least you have a direction then. You know, I'm not going to be an engineer. I'm going to be a writer. And then start finding out, okay, I would prefer to just write poems all day. That's going to be really hard. But I still enjoy writing maybe product descriptions for... Uh, artistic uh, web shops, maybe a web shop that wants to sell things that are a little bit more funny, you know, they have some tricky description of things. Maybe you would enjoy that as well. So you can take that interest of writing poems into another direction that is closely linked to it and start looking for what other things are like poems that I would enjoy. And for example, if you love playing football, but you're not good enough at playing football to become Slatan, which most people aren't, then you could ask yourself, what is it that I love about football? Maybe you just love to be part of a team. Maybe that's the main thing. It's like, okay, I really want to be a team with 
in inspiring people. So, okay, can I aim to be in a business where there is a strong team spirit? Or am I just fascinated by sports? Maybe I should work in marketing for sports or something like that. So you can see what is it that drives my interest in this and be closely tied to it. All right, so uh, let me try to summarize this. So basically, you know, break out what you love into a smaller things and try to combine with a high income skill, you know, like the sports and the marketing. Exactly. So you can still use that passion of yours and keep it so you can be the best person in sports marketing, for example. Yeah. Yeah, it really makes sense. I mean, I, I think I would just cut out that and just add it on Instagram because that's really valuable, you know. Just 30 seconds clip from the podcast, that's going to be really valuable for everyone. Nice. I'm happy to hear. <laughs> Great. So uh, let's start uh, Let's start off again with how did you happen to run a marketing company? I mean, Content Media, I believe was the name of your first yeah. company. So how did that came to be? I know that you were passionate about building companies. How did that start? And did you fail a lot during that, that, during that path? What kept you going if you did? Yeah, so... The first business I tried was party planning. That failed. Then I tried a business printing on underwear. That failed. Hmm. Then I tried to build a guide about restaurants in my hometown. That failed. Then I tried to build a poker software. That failed. Then I started building a web agency, building websites for other companies. That was the first thing that actually brought in some money. So it didn't really fail, but it wasn't a success. And we didn't get enough clients to to make a living out of it. So with the time we had left, we started building websites for ourselves. So we started building marketing websites for online bingo because a friend of mine was working in bingo and that turned into be the successful thing. So we, it was just by accident we ended up doing marketing. I wasn't passionate about marketing to start with. I just tried a lot of different things and I ended up there. And that was the first thing that became successful and then kept growing. So I got good at it. It turned out I really enjoyed a lot of the important elements in it. In, in marketing, for example, a very important part of marketing is building relationships and socializing. And I'm a very social person. So it turned out, hey, I didn't know that this was an important part of marketing, but thanks to my social skills and my passion for talking to people, I can now be successful in online marketing. Wow. I mean, so if I can count that, it's like th three or four failures before the actual success, which I think a lot of people can take away from that because, you know, the first business may not be the most successful and I, I'm pretty damn sure it's not going to be, but, you know, you got to keep going. Interesting. So, yeah, I think that yeah. I think that's so a very common thing is that people sit with, should I do this or should I do that? And I'm 99% certain that either, either way that you're choosing, you're going to fail. So you might as well just go with one or the other because it's the first failure that brings you to the next idea, that brings you to the next idea, that brings you to the next idea. So if you just start by doing either of the ideas, you're already closer to winning and closer to succeeding. But if you sit and wait and trying to come up with which idea is the best, then you're screwed. So after every failure, did your mindset shift? Did you went into like, uh, uh, not saying depression, but like really a burnout kind of thing? Or did you always, or were you always like motivated to do the next thing? I mean, every failure 
came with a beatdown. So the, the worst failure, I would say, was this party that we planned. So I rented this nightclub and I got this DJ and I told all my friends about this party that is going to be the best party ever. And then no one came. It was a complete failure and it was a very embarrassing failure because I had told all my friends, everyone in school, that this was happening. And when I came to school that Monday, I was just so sure that people would just laugh and point at me and say that I was such a failure. And I was so full of shame coming to school. And it turned out no one said anything. No one cared even a little bit that I had failed. And that got me thinking is like, yeah, if someone had a party at your school now and no one came, would you care? Uh, to be honest, right now, okay, so I'm going to be completely honest. There is something called, you know, high school gossip that is going on in my school. So maybe I would care for the opinion, but I wouldn't like get so destroyed by it because at the end it's my success story, not theirs. Yeah, and after two weeks, you would probably have forgotten all about it, yeah. even if you cared oh, a little bit. Most definitely. It has happened before, not with part, but with some different embarrassing things. Yeah, so you might care about it for a day, maybe two, and most likely not for two weeks. And this was my realization that people didn't care about the failures. I was really down and depressed after this. But then it got a lot easier with the next failure because no one really cared. And... I didn't make it as public. So when I tried the printing on underwear business, I didn't tell a lot of people about it from the beginning. And it, then it wasn't very hard. If I failed, it didn't really matter. No one even know about it. Huh. So basically, you know, you got to adopt the fact that not people, people don't care and you shouldn't either. You know? Just don't like be dependent on people's opinions, which I believe is really a chill on topic. And a lot of people say that, but you know, hearing about from real life examples is actually going to make the, you know, the difference. But yeah. again, after all this time, some people are still afraid to take the first step. So what is the one thing you would like to say to them? I think everyone is afraid to take the first step and it makes complete sense to be afraid of taking the first step. Yeah, I understand yeah, no. that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's unknown. You can fail. You don't know where you're going into. And I think it's, the most important thing is to realize that you will learn things from taking that first step. That's the only way of getting to where you want to be. And if you make that step a really small step, it's still a step. So it's very easy to sit here by, yeah, I want the company with 100 employees. I want this and that and all of these things to happen. And that becomes this huge goal. And it's so hard and so likely that you will fail. But if your f goal is... I want to record one podcast episode with a friend in my class and see what happens. Then it's very easy to succeed. You don't even need to share it with anyone. You can just do that and see what happens. And that's still one teeny tiny step that takes you closer to becoming Joe Rogan. Someone who has done one podcast with a friend is closer to Joe Rogan than someone who has done zero podcasts. So it's bringing it down if you're afraid of failure then know that everyone is afraid of failure to some extent and then break it down to the smallest teeniest tiniest step and start with that so what about you know you mentioned that you know we gotta set big goals but you know we gotta at the end break them into smaller goals basically you know achievable goals for our uh, you know budgets and mindset and then just keep progressing to the next goal one step at a time 
But what if you start comparing yourself? You know, that, that comparing problem which I had before. How do you deal with that? You know, someone who actually succeeded already and has a big goal and is actually on the way to achieve it, and you here just making some smaller steps to your goal. How do you just ignore that comparing problem? I don't think you can ignore that problem. I think everyone is comparing. I think that Slatan is comparing himself to Messi. I think everyone is comparing. So just being aware that everyone else is also comparing, I think is is an important part. I'm I'm sure that Tim Ferris is bothered that Joe Rogan has a bigger podcast than him. <laughs> it's it's just a part of life. And the the other side of that is that If you just understand that everyone is comparing and you can start moving and focus on yourself, just be okay with comparing. Try to use this as a motivation, like, okay, what is he doing that I can do better? How can I be inspired by this? What's the good thing about comparing? How can I look for things where I'm actually better at the person I'm comparing myself with? How can I find inspiration in, in, in comparing? Because you're, you're going to keep comparing. There is no quick fix of like not comparing yourself with anyone and there is always someone who's better at you in anything there is someone who's gonna be uh, be richer than you be better looking than you have a more beautiful wife whatever it is you're not getting away from that so it's better to just my belief is that you better to just embrace the comparison and just be okay with that and then take it from there all right you know, that's an interesting perspective to look at. So now it's time to ask the question. Did you compare it to someone else when you actually succeeded with the company? I've been comparing myself to people all of my life. And that's been one of my main drives as well. I think a very common drive to run, to start a business and want to succeed is that you want to prove yourself to others. If that's kids in school or if that's your parents or anyone else, comparisons is is a drive it's like i want to show them i want them to compare themselves with me and see that i've done more which is basically i'm comparing myself already so comparisons is is a big part of the drive and not necessarily about things i've been comparing myself all my life and i still compare myself and back in the days i used to compare myself with a guy who was best in my team in football and now I'm comparing myself to, fuck, that Elon Musk has done so many more things than I have, and I'm not going to beat him. Uh, so that's just, it doesn't stop. Huh. Talking about Elon Musk, though, don't you think that you take a lot more sleep than he does? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I'm happier than Elon Musk. I wouldn't yeah. want to trade. I'm, I'm very, very happy in my life. And at the same time, I'm still comparing. But don't you think that he is more like a visionary and he's, he put his happiness as a second, you know, second place and his main goal, which is progression of the human race, at first place. So we, it brings us to the question, would you like to make an impact in your life or be happy? Because some people can make an impact and be happy, but some just choose to be happy. So I believe that I, I, I don't think it's possible to choose to one or the other, at least not for me. I think that for me to make the biggest possible impact, it's very, very important that I'm happy. And I say that because I believe life is very long and I'm hoping my life will be very long. And let's say I'm going to live until I'm 100. 
and I want to be working until I'm 100 because I love working. That's 69 more years. And for me to be able to stay motivated and be inspired and want to do what I'm doing, I have to be happy. If I'm not sleeping, if I'm not eating well, if I'm not resting or taking care of my relationships, I'm going to suffer and I'm not going to be able to perform well at work. I'm sure that you've been through this, that if you're having a test in school and whatever, and you're just been in a big fight with a friend or been fighting with your parents or whatever, you're not going to be able to stay focused. And that focus is so important. So if you're happy, it's easy to go in and do, do that test. So I think for me, I have to be happy to be able to have an impact, to maximize my impact. So I put a lot of effort into happiness and joy and well-being. And a big part of that is because I know that I need that to have an impact. So how do you define your happiness? What do you think is your definition of happiness? Do you, I mean, you want to make more people smile? Or just want to be okay with your lifestyle, relationships, like you said, uh, be even more social, just make more money. What is your definition of happiness, your personal definition? That's a good question. What's the definition of happiness? I think a lot of it can be explained. For me personally, I think if I am excited when I wake up in the morning, it's like I wake up and I feel good about waking up. That's a very promising sign that I'm uh, that I'm happy. If I go on a walk and I listen to music and then I find myself just smiling and singing along, it's like it's a good sign that I'm in a happy place. I wouldn't do that if if I was stressed out. If I'm excited to talk to people and I feel that I just want to tell things about my day and about my life to people. That means that I'm a very positive association to those things. So when I really want to talk about uh, my my progress with great or things about my girlfriend or whatever it is, to me, it, it's a very good sign that I'm very happy. So I'm not sure if I have one definition, but I have a lot of like signals I'm looking for in myself to see if I'm in a good place or not. Nice. And, you know, let's let's get back on track with the real deal, which we're going to talk about now, which is great.com. I mean, I want to learn more about your main goal behind this initiative. You know, what is it all about? And is it one of the reasons you're so happy right now and positive with that smile? <laughs> yeah, so to get to that, I'll share briefly about Katina Media. So my previous yeah. company, this this marketing company that we built, it got extremely successful. It currently has 400 or so employees and is listed on the stock market and valued at about $300 million. And I made a lot of money at an early age. We took this company to the stock exchange when I was 28. And before I was 30, I had made over $50 million. So I don't need any more money, but I need that purpose. I need something to make an impact. And I want to do that on a very large scale. So great.com is going to be a very similar company to what I've done before, online marketing, but with the main difference that I want to do this for the next 50 years or 69 years until I'm 100 then. So how can I feel so passionate about this? Then one big part of that is we're giving away 100% of the profits to adult climate change, which I believe is the biggest problem that humanity has ever faced. 
So that's it gives it so much more meaning than what money could be. And I want to do this with people who share that goal, who share that vision and wants to be on this very long journey. So I'm investing a lot in those people and in our in our group. So I'm feeling very attached to the people I'm working with. I'm not working with them simply to make money. I'm working with them to change the world. And that's it's definitely a big part about my passion. So how did that name actually, did you bought that domain or did you create it? Like, what's the story behind? Because I, I, I have never heard of that great dot com thing. <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was thinking for a long time of what kind of name uh, would be the best for this business. And I wanted a short name. I wanted a name that was in English, but that pretty much everyone knows, even if they don't speak English. And I wanted a name that pretty much everyone had a positive view at. So no negative associations with that word. And I want, I tried to buy play.com and then I tried to buy best.com and I didn't succeed. And then great.com turn on, came on an auction. And I was going to go to Vegas to be on that auction in, uh, in February. And at first I went to Iceland because I was there on an adventure trip. And it turned out the auction wasn't on the, I don't know, 8th of February that I thought it was going to be. It was on the 30th of January. So it turned out this auction was going on when I was in this little teeny tiny hotel in the middle of nowhere in Iceland with barely internet connection. And I was by bidding on this domain name uh, online. So it was an online auction and I didn't think that it would turn out so like this old website looked like it was built in 2003 or something and yeah i ended up buying the domain name for nine hundred thousand dollars and it was supposed to be a live cam that showed me what's going on in the room it was supposed to be audio so i know what was going on because the auction was still in vegas nothing worked the only thing blinking big on my screen was nine hundred thousand dollars <laughs> so yeah that's that's how it happened Interesting. And so I was just saying that you put a lot of content on how to be great on all those social medias. Uh, so basically, does, is that something like you want to do like a personal goal with that content or you do it so you can advertise more great.com? Why do you produce that much content on every social media? I mean, LinkedIn, <laughs> Instagram. Yes, uh, I'm producing about six pieces of content per day or six different things. And I'm doing this, so I started doing social media like a year ago, and I want, wanted to come up with a way that, firstly, I really enjoyed doing it. It was very important, it was fun. So I tried a lot of different things, and most of the things wasn't fun. Secondly, I wanted to learn a lot while doing that. So if I learned, then it was meaningful for me. Thirdly, I wanted it to give value to people listening. So I really give value. And fourthly, I wanted to come up with a way that it didn't take that much time. And I've tried all kinds of things. I've tried Facebook groups. I tried LinkedIn. I tried live streaming. I tried Twitter. I tried everything. And now I come up with a way to do a lot of short videos, answering a lot of questions and doing quotes and stuff on Instagram that I really enjoy doing and that doesn't take that much time for me. And I feel that I'm doing these things. I'm learning, I'm having fun, and I'm giving away content. And my goal with this is to help hundreds of thousands of people around the world doing 
favors and guidance for hundreds of thousands of people who are ambitious and who want to run businesses. And the day when I need a favor, whatever that is, if I can ask 400,000 people, hey guys, can you help me with this? And they all feel that I've added value to their lives. I feel that that's so powerful, whatever it is that I want to do. I don't know what I want the help with yet, but let's say, let's say I would want to get on Joe Rogan's podcast, for example. If I have 400,000 followers who likes me and like what I'm doing, and I ask them, hey guys, can you please send an email to joe at rogan.com saying, please interview Eric. And then he gets 400,000 emails. Then it's probably quite likely that he feels, fuck, I need to interview this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's what I'm nice way of, That's pretty nice way of looking at things. And you know, I believe that is the scheme, uh, not scheme, but the plan of really a lot YouTubers nowadays. You know, those big guys with millions of subscribers. When they say, hey guys, can you help me with that cost? Let's say, let's plant 20 million trees. You know, that yeah. cost. They made $2 million. I mean, $1 million was from Elon Musk, but whatever. It's still $1 million from a lot of people from the world. So, yeah, yeah I really like that initiative. All right, Eric. So, as we're wrapping this up, why don't you sh share with us your contact info? Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, even whatever. We want to get in touch with you more. So, how can yeah. we contact you? So, the easiest place to find me is on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. And my username is Eric with a K, E-R-I-K dot Bergman. And I'll guess you'll have show notes or anything where people can find it here. And the other part is on our own podcast called Becoming Great. So we have a podcast that is for entrepreneurs who wants to make the world a better place. So people who want to make the world a better place through entrepreneurship, where I'm sharing lots of advice and guidance like this and lots of updates on what's going on with with great.com and our project and yeah that's the two main places i'm on youtube i'm on linkedin everywhere as well so google my name and you'll find me yeah we'll make sure to put all of them so you know people can choose what their best content platform is yeah and, all right that's awesome and as we're wrapping this up again my last question for you would be what is the one thing my listeners should remember you for if they didn't listen to now about what you said, which is pretty sad, but you know, things, things happen. <laughs> what is the last one thing they need to remember you for? The one thing you want to be remembered for? I'm hoping that I'm bringing positive energy and I want people to remember the feeling of positive energy. I think that's, yeah, that's the one thing I want people to feel. Awesome, Eric. Well, that was amazing you made. I really very much appreciate you for that. And, you know, I had a great conversation with you for our new series. We'll buy with us the 121st episode of our new series. You know, we're still counting them. And, yeah, that was a great experience, mate. Thank you for that. And I'll see you next time. Thank you for having me.